friends and family, are you preparing for the upcoming election? We trust on Tuesday, November the 3rd. Are you preparing for that election and its results? For all who are in Christ, we are to prepare. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're told an extremely essential, wonderful, mandatory way to prepare. And that is preparing spiritually through the ministry of prayer. We must see what God is saying to his people in this passage. What is he saying? And why? Why are we to pray this way? Who? We're to pray for. And then how? How we are to pray. It's absolutely essential that we understand the context of God's instructions to his people. This is for us. This is for God's people all over the world in every culture and place where his people are living. God is saying, look at this passage. What is he saying? What is he saying? He is saying, pray, pray, pray. That's what he is saying. One of the greatest teachings I know regarding prayer is this very small booklet by Dr. R.C. Sproul. And the title of this small booklet is, Does Prayer Change Things? Does the sovereign God who's planned and ruled the entire creation and existence of the universe, does prayer really change things? And according to scripture and Dr. Sproul's understanding of scripture, the answer is yes. The sovereign God has chosen to use prayer to fulfill his sovereign purposes. Prayer does not change God. God does not need changing. We need changing. And to bring about the changes he has ordained in his sovereignty, he uses prayer. What an excellent, excellent biblical teaching of truth regarding prayer. Does Prayer Change Things by Dr. R.C. Sproul. So what is God saying here? He's saying to his people, pray, pray, pray. Look at those words. First of all, then. It's important that we understand the setting of these words. Paul is the older senior minister, theologian, missionary, evangelist. He, we believe, took four journeys, four mission outreach endeavors on this mission of second, third, and part of fourth. He took this young man, Timothy, with him. Paul saw himself as young Timothy's spiritual father. And he saw young Timothy as his spiritual son. And Paul taught him verbally and by his behavior. He mentored him. He trained him. 
And now on this fourth outreach, Paul leaves young Timothy in Ephesus. Now he's going to be the solo minister. Paul needs to go on and continue. Paul believes that in God's sovereignty, Timothy is ready to carry on the pastoral ministry to make sure truth is taught. Avoid error. And this is the way the local church is to exist. These are the kind of elders, the deacons. This is the way you're to live and behave. This is the life of the congregation, the community. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. Those three little letters refer to the ministry of the local church. And now as Paul is teaching young Timothy and all of us the way we're to live, look at those words. First of all, congregation, do you understand? First of all, of extreme importance, of high priority, absolutely essential if you're going to impact your community and influence the world. First of all, what does he say? I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. First of all, I urge. He is not saying, I suggest you pray. Or I recommend that this is important. No, I'm pleading with you. I'm urging you. Make this a priority. Four words he uses. The Holy Spirit has chosen regarding the ministry and life of prayer. I urge what? Supplications. Bring your legitimate needs. Supplications. Your legitimate needs. Godly needs to the Father through Christ. Secondly, your prayers. All of these are very similar. Your prayers, that is your desires. But always bring your desires saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So bring your needs. Bring your desires, your requests. But thirdly, look your intercessions. It's not just about me and God or you and God. You're to be an interceder. You intercede on behalf of others. You stand in the gap between others and God and God and others. You're that in between. You're that interceder on behalf of people out there. Your family those at school, those at work, those neighbors, yes, the nations. You're interceding, Paul says of those in Ephesians chapter 6. We're to pray for all the saints. See, God has chosen us to intercede on behalf of others, their needs, their desires, interceding on behalf of others, standing in the gap, standing in the gap. And how are we to pray? With thanksgiving. We're coming to the sovereign God 
thankful for Christ, thankful for the privilege to pray and cooperate with him on behalf of others. So what are we to do? We're to devote ourselves to a life and a ministry of prayer, first of all. Well, who? We're to pray for who? Who are we to intercede for? Ah, he tells us. All people, all kinds of people, the poor, the wealthy, the intellectuals, those who have not received any or very little education. As you look at the needs of the world, the sick, the needy, the destitute, the starved, the imprisoned, those who are being abused and tortured and, yes, executed because of faith in Christ. We're to pray for all kinds of people. We intercede for them. Specifically now, in verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions. Father, we bring to you those in high positions in our local governments, in our city government, in our county, for those elected, for those who are appointed, those in high positions in our state, our state representatives, house members, senate, justices who are appointed judges. And we pray, Father, for those in high position in our nation. Again, House of Representatives. Senators, of course, presidents, vice presidents. We intercede for those in authority. Not only for our nation, and I trust your praying. Our hope, family, listen, guests, is not in a political system or platform. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. It's not the Independents. It's not, not, it's God to whom we must come. Yes, we study positions. We study platforms. And we attempt to elect those who are closest to Scripture. But they're not our hope. It's Christ interceding Praying, look, for those in high positions. Praying for dictators. Praying for world leaders. Interceding on behalf of governments. Well, how are we to pray? What are we to ask? What can we ask? He gives us three good reasons to pray here. The first is we pray for peace. Secondly, we pray that God is pleased and that God's truth is perceived, perceived and understood. First, look at how we're to pray. For all peoples, for kings, for all who are in high positions, that, here we go, that, we may lead a 
peaceful and quiet life. Godly, dignified in every way. There it is. Regardless of the crisis, the suffering, the pain, the disappointment, God's people may experience a peace, peaceful life. That does not mean an absence of war, nor an absence of differences, of conflict, no. But it does teach that in the midst of conflict, of differences, even of war, there's that inner sense of of comfort that all is well because the sovereign God brings down and God in his sovereignty lifts, lifts up. Peggy was going through all kinds of crisis in her own life. Peace as she was hospitalized, waiting for the test and reports of biopsies that she was expecting. Not only in her own health, the uncertainty of her future, but having grieved the death of her college-age son, through drowning with his friends in a lake who went underwater and he never came up. Oh, the pain of losing a son through drowning. There was a peace. Having an adult, she also had an adult-aged daughter who for diff different reasons rejected her family and allowed her family to know that she wanted to live as if they did not exist. Total separation from her family. The heartache of a son that is deceased through drowning. A daughter who's rejected the family. Another son who has gone through a painful divorce. A granddaughter who this... Peggy loved, and they had such a wonderful relationship when granddaughter was younger. But now, rejected the family. Another son who was in and out of prison because of choices he made. And then the death of her own husband, Peggy's husband. The death of a son, the rejection by an adult-aged daughter, Another son in and out of prison. Another family member, a son who's gone through a divorce. Her own husband has deceased, and she's waiting for the biopsy report the next day. But peace, a supernatural Holy Spirit-initiated and sustained peace in her heart in her soul. That's what Christ can do through a life of prayer. That's what he says here. 
that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life when it appears your world could fall apart. A godly life, dignified in every way. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Verse 3, a second reason, not only through prayer does God extend peace, but verse 3, this is good. It is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God has ordained prayer as we intercede for others, that they may come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved, rescued from the family of Satan and brought into the family of Christ. Paul, the theologian, who teaches us the wonderful doctrines of predestination, of election, of God choosing, and birthing into the family. The same Paul who teaches us of predestination and of election and God choosing is the same Paul who would weep and pray for the salvation of the lost. For Paul knew that he himself was, he said, the worst of sinners. And if God would save him, how much easier it is for God to save us. Pray, pray that they'll come to a knowledge of the truth. The most difficult person you could imagine, world leader, national leader, local. That's what he's saying. Praying, pleasing to God. Come to a knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? Whew. Look at verse 5. How are we to pray? Through the name and authority of Christ. We come in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. We're coming to the Father as if Christ himself is asking these requests. As if Christ himself is asking. What are we to pray? They will know. Verse 5, there's only one God. There's only one mediator between God and man. That's Jesus Christ. Listen, there's not many roads to God. There's not different ways to him, different roads, and all who are sincere will eventually get there. No, there's only one road. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is God-man. He is deity. He is human. He alone lived that perfect life. He went to the cross to take God's punishment against sin that he did not deserve. We deserve it. But he willingly accepted that punishment by his resurrection. He gives his holiness to all of those the Father gives to him. Christ accepts the wrath of God that he does not deserve, that by his resurrection, 
He gives His perfection to all who will repent and turn to Him. It pleases God. Are you resting in Him? Are you depending on Christ alone to make you accepted? Do not depend on yourself. You'll never be good enough. None of us will. We can never do enough good. It's the obedience. It's the perfection of Jesus Christ on our behalf. We come in his name, in his authority. I am so thankful that I had the privilege of growing up on a farm, real small community here in South Carolina, somewhat in the Myrtle Beach area, but I didn't grow up at the beach. I grew up on a farm. But in that real small community where we would have the country store, I was a little fella, but I could go into Mr. Leo's store and I could say, Mr. Leo, I need some milk. Mama sent me to get some milk and some bread and some other things. And I would leave and never pay. And I wasn't stealing. I could put it on my bicycle and ride the two miles back home. However, I never stole. And I didn't go in my own authority. All I had to do, and he knew who I was. I went in the authority and in the name of Jim Moore, my dad. So I went in his name. I went in his authority. Uh, Mr. Leo, dad said, would you charge it to him? See, Mr. Leo gave me what I asked because I came in the name of my dad. And that's what we do. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, if He is your Lord, if He is your God, you come to God the Father not in what you've done, but in what Christ has done for us. And we come in His name, and we come in His authority, and we intercede for one another. We intercede for those throughout the countries of the world. We intercede for those in authority, in high positions of local government, state government, federal government, world leaders. We come in the name and authority of Christ and intercede for them to come to a knowledge of the truth. That there may be peace and righteousness and godliness. And then lastly, we see how are we to come. There's only one mediator. There's only one way to God. And that's through the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. I desire then. This is Paul. By that inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That in every place, the men should pray. How? Lifting up, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. We must have clean hands. 
Now that's far more than just washing our hands before we pray. No, that holy hands means hands that are made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. What can take away our sins? What can wash away only the blood of Jesus Christ? You must come. We must come as individuals, corporately, as community and family, washed, made clean, made holy in Jesus Christ. We come lifting up holy hands. Qualifications without anger and without quarreling. Without anger toward God, without anger and quarreling with others in the family, your own family, the congregation, anger and quarreling with other believers who do not see and agree with how you see and believe. No. We may disagree. We may not and we will not agree on all matters. But there cannot be the sin of anger or the sin of quarreling or bickering and complaining. There must come that attitude of humility, of interceding, peace, perception of the truth. Please, on behalf of Christ, on behalf of the Scriptures, the honor of the Savior. What are we to do? Pray. Intercede on behalf of others. Those who are presently leading us locally, state, federal, world leaders, and those who will lead us in the future. As long as Christ allows, please, First of all, of high priority, community, church, family. Devote ourselves to prayer. Resting, trusting, resting, trusting in the sovereign God to do what he knows is best. May he bring to a knowledge of truth of Jesus Christ as Savior as Lord, as God. Let's ask him. Father, thank you for speaking to your family in creation. Thank you speaking most specifically in Holy Scripture. Thank you for letting us know this is what we're to know about you. This is the way we're to live before you and a watching, listening world. Thank you for telling us, first of all, the priority and importance of prayer as a community, as a fellowship, as a family. So we ask that all the congregations around us, our nation, for those presently in leadership, those who in your sovereignty will become our leaders of every level, of every level, will be men and women of humility, 
who will lead us in that which is right, promoting Christ-like godliness, a people of dignity, coming to a knowledge of the truth that there's only one God. Father, there's only one mediator between you and us, and that's Jesus Christ. May we know him and love him and worship him. Know him, obey him, and worship him. And Father, for those who are suffering, tortured, imprisoned, starved, enslaved because of their faith in Christ. Will you minister comfort and peace, comfort and peace to them. We want to intercede for all. In the name and authority, Father, of Jesus Christ. Amen.